We praise you tonight. We love you, Jesus. We're grateful for your presence. We're thankful for your beautiful spirit. We appreciate you tonight. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have your Bibles, I am directing your attention tonight to the book of Numbers. We are reading from the 13th chapter of the book of Numbers. What a treat it is to be here tonight. Haven't you enjoyed the good preaching of the Word of God thus far? The Lord has touched us in a very a personal and phenomenal manner, and uh, we are certainly better people for it. Brother Parker invited us today, if we wanted to pray, to come and pray. The only reason that I was not the first one to the altar to pray is because I was just a little bit too far towards the back. Amen. Of this first section. What a beautiful touch of God there has been in this, in this conference. Last night's preaching, this morning preaching, this afternoon preaching has really helped me personally. And I want to be a better man. Praise God. I was thinking of something that Brother Parker said when he said that the elder called him and told him to rejuvenate. So he went home told his church, we're going to rejuvenate, and I'm going to rejuvenate. You know, the elder has not been calling me and telling me to rejuvenate. He's been telling me, you need to stay home. You need to not preach anymore. I'm trying to listen, but I don't know that I'm doing a good job of that. Praise God. But I'm working at it really, really hard. Amen. Then I thought about around Elder Morton, what a, what a great man of God he is, and how he has stamped our lives and made such a difference for all of us. I was 18 years of age when he became my pastor. Proud of that. Grateful that I can still call him pastor. Still submitted. Still love him with all of my heart. Somebody recently was telling him about a man out of his church and saying, very good preacher. And he said, just remember, he had a good teacher. And I was thinking about that tonight. Oh, Elder, if nobody, if nobody appreciates what's done here tonight, I just wanted to remind you, I still have the same preacher, uh, teacher. Praise God. God's been very kind. Thank you, Elder, for this meeting. Thank you, Truth Tabernacle. Thank you, Brother and Sister Lackey, for all that you've done. And this house is my family. It'll, I'll be sweeter tomorrow, I promise. My wife told me it'll be fun being with you tomorrow. And I hope that that comes to pass. I love her very much. Good to see my, my father. My father just recently had surgery. I was unable to be here last year because of some heart surgery. Uh, let me give you the best piece of advice that I'm able to give anybody here tonight. And that is don't have heart surgery if you can avoid it. So start now with your diet, alright? If it tastes good, spit it out. And grass clippings, carrots, and lettuce, that's all that you are allowed. Reading from the Word of the Lord, Numbers chapter number 13, beginning at verse number 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I gave unto the children of Israel, which I give unto the children of Israel. 
Of every tribe of their father shall you send a man, every one a ruler among them. And Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran. All those men were heads of the children of Israel. Verse number 6, of the tribe of Judah, Caleb, the son of Jephthah. Reading from verse number 18, or pardon me, let's skip down to verse number 26. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron, to all the congregation of the children of Israel. Verse number 27, And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us. Surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Verse number 28, Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and are very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there, discerning what's going on in verse number 30. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Caleb stilled the people, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Jesus, we thank you tonight that you have been so gracious and kind in this meeting. God, we ask one more time that you would visit your wonderful people. God, churches have gathered here. They're interested in what your mind is. Help us tonight to fulfill that purpose. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we'll thank you for it. And everybody together said, Amen. God bless you, and you may be seated. Thank you, Brother Hyler, for that introduction. I well remember those times of prayer, supplication, and I remember the night that you're talking about, particularly when a burden of intercessory travail fell in that room and did not lift until my brother Bill stepped through the room, and then he told us about an incident that had just unfolded in the parking lot that very possibly spared his life or at least some real hurt. So I appreciate you very, very much. The things that I feel in my heart tonight, I am, I am sincere when I tell you that I feel like that I am going to be able to simply hook on to what has already been preached. I sat last night Amazed as uh, Brother Morton was preaching, and I thought he's reading my heart. He's been praying the same prayers that I've been praying, feeling the same things. And then when uh, Brother White preached today and was so very forceful and directed us to the things of God and followed up with the burden of Brother Parker, I said, this is really the mind of the Spirit. I want to say this, I've been thinking these thoughts for a little while, that the Spirit has a voice. Yes, it does. And the Spirit will speak to us if we have an ear to hear what the Spirit would say. The Spirit has a will. The Spirit would like to impose into our world 
the best possible advantages that we could ever imagine by just the moving and the visitation of the Spirit of the Lord. I was first interested in this text regarding the man by the name of Caleb when I was setting on a journey, a personal journey. Uh, I was not involving anybody else. I was not telling the congregation about it in Glendale, nor was I sharing it with my wife. But I wanted to know what it was, the characteristics of men that seemed to have that single, singular touch, a signal touch of God upon them, that when you get around them, what comes to your mind are the words that God really loves this man. I was recently in a service, uh, as a matter of fact, not very far distant from where we are right now, and when a couple of men were speaking, there was such an anointing that my spirit uh, immediately said, these men are loved by the Lord. I'm still interested in the favor of God. I'm still interested in the anointing of the Lord. I'm still interested in God knowing us and loving us and helping us. But there's just a little bit of a, a direction change that has entered into my spirit and my thinking. And I want to talk about it for just a little while tonight. The elder came and showed me his watch and told me that we have a lot of time, that it's early. But I'm going to do my best to be mindful of you tonight. And I'm going to try and preach to the saints that are in this house. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Why don't we love the Lord for a moment tonight? Praise God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. In Numbers 14 and 6, and Joshua the son of Nun, Caleb the son of Jephthah, uh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we passed through to search it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us, their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. Fear them not. In verse number 22, after God has judged the complaints and the fear, the unbelief and the turning the heart of the people of God from God's stated purpose, the Lord begins to speak through Moses. There's this long story of Moses standing in the gap and preserving their lives and preserving all of Israel. And the Lord said in verse 22, Because all these men which have seen my glory and my miracles which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness 
and have tempted me now these ten times and have not hearkened to my voice, surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto the fathers, neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him and had followed me fully, him will I bring into the land whereinto he went and his seed shall possess it. In verse number 37, but these men that did bring up the evil report upon the land uh, uh, died by the plague before the Lord. But Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, which were of the men that went to search the land, lived still. And if we took the time, we could read further verses. But the gist of the story is the evil report brought by ten men and the confidence that two men had, and particularly Caleb tonight, that had confidence in the mind and the spirit of the Lord. It is transition time in the people of Israel. They are, they are looking at a change in their direction. They are just a few miles from crossing over into the promised land. It's a shifting of time, a shifting of position, a shifting of calling, and they are just about there. They are between two worlds, the known and the familiar. A man are about to be replaced by the unknown and the unfamiliar. And they are very uneasy in their spirit because of the changes that are upon them. I would like to suggest to us tonight that we are living in transition time in the apostolic church. We are living as men and women that have walked in the familiar presence of the Lord. We have had the benefits and the blessings of, of being faithful in tithe and offering. We have suffered very little. As a matter of fact, we have been a blessing to nations around us by sending forth missionaries uh, and supporting them. And all has been well. And we believe in climbing up and climbing on and loving God and getting more of God and having greater things from God and more anointing. But hear me tonight when I tell you that the norms are not so normal anymore. There is a shifting of our society and a shifting of values and a shifting of those things that that we one time embraced and held as valuable and important in our lives. We could bank on certain principles and we could live by certain ideologies. We could even live in the freedoms that are stated in our Constitution and we could hold them near and dear in our heart and in our spirit, and we could say there will always be 
this way. But I'm here to preach to us tonight that we are now standing between two worlds. And that which we have known and that which has been familiar, bless our hearts. There are some changes on the horizon and it may not be familiar very much longer. And we may wake up and look around us and say, I wonder what happened. But my message tonight is not about being glad or sad and gloomy and unhappy and wondering what's going on, but whether I feel something in my spirit that if the Holy Ghost will help us before we get out of this house, we'll have the antidote. We'll have the answer. We'll be able to say, I know what I'm going to do when the shifting times come. Somebody worship the Lord with me tonight. Political correctness has caused us to lose the common touch. And it's disturbing to us. And we're upset about it. Our speech is no longer free. Amen. To pass out copies of of the Constitution of the United States of America or to carry your Bible on some campuses uh, is forbidden uh, to stand up in some circles uh, and to preach what's been preached uh, at West Coast Conference uh, and what will be preached uh, against sin uh, and for God, uh, against unrighteousness uh, and for purity before God uh, will be branded as hate speech. Uh, I'm here to tell us tonight uh, that God's got this church on His mind. Uh, the Holy Ghost has got this work uh, in His heart. Uh, and God's got a way to help His church. Oh, let's worship the Lord again. Concerning these times, Jesus told us in Luke 21 and 26 that men's hearts would be failing them because of fear. The fear of looking after those things that are coming on the earth. But in 28 of the same text, He teaches us that when we see these things uh, begin to come to pass, uh, look up! Look up! Get your head up! Get your hands up! Get your spirit up! Get your prayer life up! Look up! These things are not new to the people of God. Daniel, if you pray to any God, save the king. There's a lion's den waiting. But Daniel opened up the windows. And Daniel looked towards Jerusalem. And Daniel prayed. And Daniel went in. And Daniel came out of the lion's den. 
three Hebrew men were told that when you hear this certain kind of music and when you hear these instruments strike up, if you don't fall down and worship this image that represents every despicable thing that that king was qualified to bear, I'm going to cast you into a fiery furnace and I'm going to heat it seven times hotter than it's ever been. But they said, we are not careful to answer you in this matter. There's something going on in the heart of the people of God. Just bring your speech police. Just bring your political correctness. Bless your heart. If you come to an apostolic church, we're still going to preach. Thus saith the word of the Lord. I must hurry along. There's Elijah standing before Ahab. Have you found me, O mine enemy? You that are troubling Israel. But the preacher could look him in the eye and say the problem's not mine, but the problem is your sin. Peter and John go to the temple at the hour of prayer and a simple act of obedience to God and a desire for a man's life to be better. They say we don't have money but there's something we do have. We have the name that's above every name in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. Don't you boys do that again. Don't you preach that name again. Don't you speak that name again. But brother, they made it very clear to listen to you or to listen to God. You be the judge. We're going to follow God. Clap your hands again to the Lord. Praise God. People of Israel are crossing over. They're supposed to. And these 12 men are brought to the task. In the 13th chapter, the 18th verse, see the land. Tell us about the land. Tell us about the people that are dwelling there. Are they strong? Are they weak? Are they few? Or are they many? Tell us about the land. Is it a good land or a bad land? Tell us about the cities. Is it tent cities or strongholds? Tell us about the land. Is it a fat land or a lean land? Tell us whether there's wood in that land. That's all they were required to do until the Lord adds this caveat. And be ye of good courage and bring of the fruit of the land. You bring back an earnest of our inheritance. The only thing you've got to do, gentlemen, is obey God, obey God's word, obey God's commandment, bring it to pass, go in, come back, 
and let's get with the program of going into God's inheritance. Glory. The Bible says, and I already read it to you, and I've already uh, talked about it. Amen. Amen. What a, what a problem. What a problem. What a problem. In the second verse, the Bible tells us, and I read it, and I tried to emphasize it, that the Lord said, I want you to go in there to the land that I will give you. The land which I give. It was already settled. Thank you, Brother Morton, for last night. See, it was already settled. The land was as good as occupied. The land of the enemies there were as good as subdued. Because God said, go in there. God said, I'm going to give it to you. I hope this is all right, because this is what I feel in my spirit tonight. Hallelujah to God. Amen. I feel like I'm about to come apart in 15 different directions at the same time. And that will probably be too messy to talk about. Praise God. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel the Holy Ghost. If God said, I want to give you this land... God meant for them to have it, and they were going to have it. If God wanted their babies saved, God was going to save their babies. If God wanted to bring their parents in, God was going to bring them in. All they had to do was be obedient to God. Now, in my estimation, that's pretty easy to do. Hallelujah. If Bill Garrett was your father and Bishop Morton was your pastor, that's easy to do. Just do what you're told. Boy, it works too. Look at me. It works. Hallelujah. Doing all right. Fatter than I should be. I'll stay home more, I promise. Hallelujah. Glory. That sounds really simple. I'll give you the land. All you got to do is go over there, answer these few small questions, and it's yours. Well, that's good. It's determined. The Bible said in 2 Corinthians 1 and 20, in part, all the promises of God in Him are yea, and in Him, amen. When God makes a promise, He doesn't back up on a promise. When God says it's settled, He doesn't back up from that. can't back him up. Circumstances cannot back him up. If God said it's going to happen this way, it will happen. I feel faith going in this house tonight. Has God ever made you a promise? Has God ever made you a promise? God 
God ever shown you anything that He wants to do in your behalf? Glory. Glory. In Job chapter 1 and verse 12, when Satan has come into the presence of God and desired Job, it's in the heavens, Brother White, that it's going on. There's nothing even going on down here on the earth. Not yet. But there's something happening in the heavens. There's something happening in the spirit. And in verse 12, God said, all right. If it's settled in the heavens, it will be finished in the earth. In chapter 2, we can read it again. In verse 6, same scenario. I've got it on my mind tonight. Tonight, tonight, that when God starts operating in the heavens, uh, just get ready. He's going to start stepping on the earth. uh, And He's going to start doing His work on the earth. Jehoshaphat said, is there anybody else here that's a real preacher? Well, there's Micaiah, but he hangs out at West Coast Conference with that Elder Morton bunch. And he doesn't ever say anything good about me. But Jehoshaphat said, Ahab, I want to hear him anyway. Bring him on. And here he comes. And, and they've got a big program going. They got, they got steel horns out there. They're pushing the Assyrians, the strongest nation in that part of the country for many, many years. Uh, Kick the daylights out of, out of Babylon. Uh, they destroyed everybody around them. They ruled uh, way up into the steppes uh, of, of, of Eastern Europe and all the way back down to Egypt and they got horns and they said we're going to push him until there's nothing left to push they got quite a program going on but Micaiah comes and said I've heard from God I have heard from God there was a conversation in the heavens there was a meeting going on in the heavens and the Lord said who's going to take care of this Ahab and bring him down to ah yeah yeah I can't even think of it right now they're going to bring him down to Ramoth Gilead who's going to do it and he said the spirit stepped up and said I'll be a lion spirit and the Lord said in heaven you're the one it's going to happen I'm here to preach to us tonight oh God help me not to get ahead of myself but somebody needs to hear what's going on in West Coast Conference this year If he's here tonight, I will embarrass him, but I'm not trying to. But I've looked diligently and I don't see him. But I went to my brother today in that preaching. And I laid my hand on my, my, my dad. I laid my hands up on his shoulders. Up, and I called my youngest sibling by name. Up, and I said, Dad, up, the only thing we need to do up, is what Brother Morton taught us last night. Up. We need to get it settled in the heavens. Up. If we can just get the attention of God. Up, 
If we can just get God working on this, it's going to happen. I started to bring something that my mother put on the side of a refrigerator before either one of my backslidden brothers came home to live for God because God made her a promise. I'm going to bring them back. This all right? I'm just trying to lay a foundation. My Lord, Caleb heard the word of God. Caleb believed the word of God. Caleb heard the will of God. Caleb heard that God said, I'm going to give you this land. And Caleb immediately started distinguishing himself above his brethren. Yes, he did. Caleb started a program. Where did this happen? We're introduced to Caleb in our text. In that sixth verse, it's the first time I read anything about Caleb. I don't know anything about him before. But I found me a verse of scripture in my my Bible reading. I believe God let me see it. It's found in the book of Exodus, in the 24th chapter, where Moses and Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and 70 of the elders are asked, Come up! Come up into the presence of God. Verse number 9, they went up. That's Moses, that's Aaron, that's Nadab, that's Abihu, and 70 of the elders, and they come up. And the Bible said, and they saw the God of Israel under his feet a paved work like sapphire. And the clearness was the clarity of the body of heaven. I have no idea. It doesn't tell us who the 70 were. It doesn't tell us what their names were. But I'm going to somehow put it in my mind. Because our text tells us that the Lord said rulers. And the Lord said men that have the help of God. I don't know where Caleb got it. But somewhere Caleb could have been among the number that saw God. Saw the spirit of God. Saw the glory of God. Saw the anointing of God. Saw the consecrated Shekinah. Ladies and gentlemen, when you've seen the Shekinah, when you've ever tasted the consecrated glory, when you've ever seen the magnificence of, of the beauty of God, when you see the glory of the revelation of the mighty God in Christ, when you've ever been in a red-hot prayer meeting where heaven comes to kiss your soul. You want that the rest of your life. I said you'll want that the rest of your life. When I come to Fresno, there are times that I go by myself. 
And I'd go into the old, what is now the school. It used to be the prayer room. I don't know what they call it anymore. But into the chapel area. And Brother Hyler, there's a place in there. When everybody else was playing the football game. When they were looking at me and one man grabbed me by the collar. And he said, Ron Garrett, we know you. We know your father. A bunch of junk. But anyway, I went in from that that confrontation. You're no good. You've never been any good. You never will be any good. But I went into that room by myself. And down there somewhere in the center aisle. Woo! I don't know how else to tell you how it happened. All I know to tell you is I felt something get in the small of my back. And start pushing me down towards the floor. And when I was prostrated down on my face on that floor. I could still feel the pressure of a hand from I don't know what it was. That's the way I describe it. And everything in my life changed. And Caleb is never going to be satisfied with that shallow crowd. Hallelujah. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever had an experience like that? Would you like to stand to your feet and thank God for it and ask Him for some more? is moving in this house. I'm right now at the place where I want to preach. Please be seated just a few moments longer. Amen. This man, Caleb, is absolutely convinced. Contrast his behavior. Contrast that vision of God. Contrast the sapphire Pavement beneath the feet of the Spirit, the glory of God. Trans, uh, just contrast that holy anointing that is so pure and so clean that the only way they can describe it is the purity or the clarity of heaven. And contrast that with Numbers 25. When Balaam has done his dirty deed, and Balak has spent his nasty money, and the people of Israel rise up at the sound of some kind of shallow worship music, and begin to become very lewd and sensual and carnal in their spirit, and they're dying, they're dying underneath the curse of God because of that shallow Shallow transgression against God. But Caleb is not among them. Caleb has seen something. Caleb has felt something. 
Oh, it's getting quiet now. Hallelujah. Oh, I still feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Caleb has something that we're going to have in our lifetime. Caleb has something that I picked up in the spirit of my shepherd. Caleb got something that my father had when he stopped me as a 14-year-old boy and said, never wear a t-shirt out of this house again. You're almost a man. Put some sleeves in that shirt. The same thing that was put in those men. And I picked it up somewhere along the line. Caleb had conviction. He had conviction. He had conviction. He had a certainty. He had something in him. I like what you said today. When you said you told those young men, this came out of nowhere. I didn't expect this. But Brother Holmes preached it. And I'm not going to demand it of anybody else until I can live it myself for three months. Three years. Wow. Conviction. 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 Elder Murray Burr told me one time, he said, son, he said, you can tell a man from Texas. I said, how's that? He said, son, you can tell him, but you can't tell him much. It's a joke, son. It's a joke. You can tell a man from Texas, but you can't tell him much the land of Sam Houston the land of Crockett the land of Bridger the land of Austin those men that drew lines in the sand and said if you want to go home cross the line and not one of them crossed the line at the Alamo that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. Something that gets down in the gizzard. Something that gets down in the spirit. Something that takes the willy-nilly out of him. Something that takes the wishy-washy. Something that puts strength in his backbone. Something that makes him clench his fist. Something that makes him stand up, square his shoulders, and meet the problem full head on. Conviction. Numbers 13 and 30, Caleb spilled the people before Moses. Conviction. Let us go up at once and possess it. Conviction. For we are well able to overcome it. We're talking about a man with conviction. I heard from God. I'm talking about transition times. 
I'm talking about what's going to keep this church ready. I'm talking about what's going to make us rapture ready. I'm talking about what's going to make us have revival. If we have to have church under a tree. If we have to have church under a bridge. If we have to meet somewhere out in the open in a parking lot. If we have to walk there. I'm talking about something that will keep us when the world is on fire. Clap your hands to the Lord. Put this wherever you think it belongs. But I had a conviction as a young man that that man of God was my voice from the Holy Ghost. And I didn't do anything in the ministry without his oversight. And I still don't. Alright, that was free. I don't know where that came from. But if you've got a pastor, and he's a man of God... And he ever says anything. You ought to write it down. You ought to circle it. And you ought to say until he changes that, I'm alright. Caleb rent his clothes. Well, that got tight in here. Sorry about that. Caleb said, it's an exceeding good land. Caleb said with conviction, If the Lord delight in us, He will bring us into the land and give it. Caleb had a conviction. Only rebel not, neither fear. The Lord is with us. Fear them not. That's conviction. God's on our side. Who can be against us when God's on our side? You got a few more minutes to let me preach. Hallelujah. The Urban Dictionary, which is commonly held the least by many people, said that conviction is a belief that one would die for. The synonyms from Merriam-Webster's Dictionary says of conviction, it is a belief. It is a persuasion. It is a position. It is an article of faith. Caleb's conviction, Caleb's conviction was that God was going to help him. Caleb's conviction spared him. Caleb's conviction promoted him. Caleb's conviction honored him. Caleb's conviction blessed him. Caleb's conviction preserved him. Caleb's conviction gave him an inheritance to give to his progeny. Hallelujah. 14 and 24, number said his seed shall possess it. Hallelujah. This is an ingredient that is important to God. Conviction. Conviction. Numbers 14 and 24, God is still rehearsing this. 
saying, My servant Caleb, because he had another spirit, a conviction in his heart. Psalm 15 and 1, Who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall stand in thy holy hill? That's a good question. In verse number 4, He that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. What brought me here is going to keep me. What satisfied me on this journey is going to keep satisfying me. What blessed me thus far and gave me a good congregation to be a part of is going to keep me and that congregation in the will of God. Am I belaboring this too much? Am I belaboring this too much, saints? A conviction kept him. Brother Jackson, a conviction made him what he was. A conviction gave his children something to sink their teeth into and to run the soil between their toes. Hallelujah. A man of conviction. I don't have time, though I want to. But I could read from the book of Joshua, beginning uh, uh, somewhere in there, yeah, 14th chapter, and read down to verse number 6, uh, or start at verse 6, and read to verse 13, when he said, 40 years of age, when this promise was made, nevertheless, my brethren, they all died, but not me, I stayed with God. Verse number 9, Moses swear. On that day, I'm still holding to the promise. Verse number 10. The Lord had kept me alive 40 and 5 years. In verse number uh, 11. I'm as strong today as I was on that day 45 years ago. still got the same Holy Ghost I got in 1963 in Fresno, California at Harvey and Festa. It still works. I still feel the same passionate desire for the work of God that I felt as a 19-year-old boy in Truth Tabernacle searching for God. It kept me. I'm able to go up. I'm going to get it. That land is mine. There's giants in that land. But it's already settled in the heavens. I've already been in the spirit. I've already heard. This is probably too personal to talk about. But let me talk about it for just a brief second. Let me tell you. When you go through a little procedure that some of us have had to go through. And they put a zipper on your chest. So they can go back in if they want to. They gave me a bovine valve. And uh, I can't pass alfalfa anymore without hunger pains. 
But it does something to you. It takes the starch out. It takes the desire out. It takes the, it takes the go. I don't know how to explain it. it just does. It does something to you. Then they give you crazy medications. And they look you in the eye real tenderly. And I hear the voice of my shepherd as they say it. Take them, dummy, or die. And it makes you feel, Ugh. oh, I went through too much of that. I went through too much of that. And finally things just got, they just got overboard with me. But just recently, oh, I'm telling you just recently, Brother Hyler, I went into the auditorium. I made sure nobody else was there. I went when nobody else would come. I went there when it was just me and God. And I got down on my face before God. And I said, if you're through with me in Glendale, say the word. I'm out of here. I'll leave. I'll do whatever. I'll go, I'll go be a, I'll go be a doorman at Walmart. But if you're through here, just show me who the next man is. That's all I gotta hear. But I can't take it. Any more of this. I cannot stand any more of this. I've got a conviction about you, God, and I can't take this malaise any longer. If that's too personal, then I'm sorry. Edit it out of the tape. Forget about it. But for me, the Holy Ghost came down. The Spirit of God started talking. The resuming of the passion and the desire. I saw things in the Spirit that I'd seen years ago. I saw the anointing and the help of God coming again. Somebody needs to get a conviction tonight. Somebody needs to get a conviction. Somebody needs to get a conviction. Somebody needs to get a conviction. I heard as I was going to be with my father, I was listening to the radio in his car. And there was an interview of a a secular preacher with a very large congregation. And he said, people are yearning to hear a certain sound. People want to hear a clear, emphatic voice concerning the time that they're living in. People want to know that sin is still sin. I'm quoting him. He said, what you think would be the hardest to declare will be the very thing that people have been Begging somebody to say it. I saw you get up when this man started down the line this morning. I saw this church begin to respond. Ladies and gentlemen, it takes a heart felt conviction to be able to live in this world that we're living in. John Phillips, a commentary on 1 John, writes that John was writing to the third generation. He said Peter and Paul wrote to the first and the second 
generation. But John has lived long enough, he said, that he's writing to the third generation. We'll have time, but I wish I did. He said the first generation is a generation of convictions that they would die for. And many did. The second generation softens those convictions to belief. And the third generation takes those beliefs and simply makes them an opinion. I don't have a conviction. I mean, I don't don't have an opinion about truth. I don't just have a belief system about truth. I almost feel like a friend of mine who said of him, Elder, they said of him, not only would he die for truth, but he might kill for truth. You already preached. (laughs) Convictions. Convictions. Naboth, your vineyard's not for sale. I got this from daddy. And I'm a first generation. Even though I got it from daddy, I'm a first generation. I got it for myself. I have a conviction. Ahab, you can't have this vineyard. That's my inheritance. Bring your wicked Jezebel and let her trump up the charges. But I'm still going to die with the conviction. I'm not, that's not for sale. John was facing three areas of false doctrine. The Eliamites denied the deity of Christ. The Docetist denied the humanity of Christ or divine flesh. The Corinthians denied the union of the human and the divine nature of Jesus Christ, God manifest in the flesh. They taught falsely that Jesus Christ did not become God until His baptism. And they taught falsely that when Jesus Christ cried, it is finished, and gave up the ghost, that that was the moment that He ceased being God. False. It was God in Bethlehem's manger wrapped up in the swaddling clothes, worshipped by by the angels, worshipped by the shepherds, given gifts by the wise men, held in the arms of Simeon, prophesied over by, by those men of God. That was God manifest in flesh. And when he said, Philip, or, or part, yeah, Philip, or, or, I can't even get it in my head. Help me out. Thomas, thrust your hands in. Thomas, put your finger and feel the nail prints. He was still God. 
every conviction about the Godhead. I have a conviction about the mighty God in Christ. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost on me. I feel the Spirit of God. I haven't felt this good since you preached. I won't feel this good again until you preach. Hallelujah. But I'm feeling good right now. Hallelujah to God. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. God is mentioned in Genesis chapter 1, 32 times in 31 verses. He is mentioned by personal pronoun no less than 43 times. In one statement, he sweeps aside atheism by asserting his existence. Polytheism by declaring himself to be one. And pantheism by separating himself from nature. These are sweeping times. These are changing times. But here, oh Israel, the Lord our God is one. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. I feel like we're fixing to break out in revival. I feel like the Spirit of God is sick to go home with us. The Holy Ghost has ordained this meeting. God is building our faith. God is building our confidence. God is strengthening your prayer life. God is strengthening your home. God is strengthening your spirit. God is strengthening your church. Clap your hands and shout. Would you do it? One, 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 one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all, who is above all. Through all, in you all, but to us there is but one God, the Father of whom all things. I have a conviction about the oneness of the Godhead. I have a conviction about Acts 2.38. I said, I have a conviction. Cut me and I'll bleed X 238 red. But I have a conviction about the plan of salvation. You know what I'm weary of? I'm weary of men and women coming by and getting a hold of some folks, lifting up their hands and shaking their chin a little bit. 
and tell them to chatter a little bit and then claim that they have that everlasting, powerful, wonderful experience called the Holy Ghost. The altar that the priest sacrificed on was a bloody place, a nasty place, a stinky place. Brother, Brother Aston just came by our church a couple weeks ago and he said, you folks run for Kleenex as soon as they start running and as soon as they start spitting that stuff out, he said, my God, let them repent. I have a conviction about Acts 2.38. Repentance is the job that the sinner has got to do if he's going to make it. Nobody can repent for me. Nobody can repent for you. You've got to repent. I've got to repent for myself. I have a conviction about the efficacy of the name of Jesus Christ in the waters of baptism. Don't come my way and baptize my converts and say, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, which is Jesus Christ. Don't you do it. I said, don't you do it. There's only one saving name. I want that name applied. I want that name applied. I want my sins washed. I have a conviction about the Holy Ghost. I have a conviction about tongue talking. I have a conviction about the entrance of the Spirit when it takes over. I have a conviction about prayer. I have a conviction about fasting. That's a dirty word in Pentecost. Elder, have you ever noticed, have you ever noticed how just a little bit of effort on our part will get the attention of God and things will begin to happen in the church that you couldn't believe what's going on. Oh, and the Spirit of God begins to operate. I have a conviction about prayer and fasting. When we want the devil to back up, thank you for preaching to us last night. I turned my plate over. I find me a place to pray. Brother Rainey, we still got a conviction about it. Hallelujah. My Lord, I'm almost done. I'm almost done. I have a conviction about holiness. I have a conviction about holiness. I have a conviction about women's hair. I have a conviction that it ought not be dyed. I have a conviction that it ought not be a wig unless you talk with your pastor and it's necessary. I have a conviction it ought not be cut. I have a conviction that the Word of God teaches it ought not be shortened. 
I have a conviction about men's hairstyle. I have a conviction it ought to be modest. It ought to be moderate. It ought to look like a man. And nobody ought to be able to mistake you for one of those, you know. I have a conviction about Hollywood. No Hollywood in the church. No Hollywood in the home. No Hollywood on the phone. No Hollywood on the computer. No Hollywood. I have a conviction about videos. You put it in me. You preach that into my heart. But if it was one of these, my God, what's he doing in this place like that? But because it's one of these, I'll be done in a few moments. I'm talking about what's going to keep this church. I'm talking about what's going to make the devil back up. I'm talking about what's going to make some Caleb's. I'm talking about what's going to take us in. Apologize, Brother Garrett, later, maybe, perhaps. Absolutely not. I have a conviction. I have a conviction about jewelry. I have a conviction about the wearing of gold on your finger, on your wrist, on your tie, in your hair, in your eyebrow, in your ears, on your dress. Conviction about jewelry. Come on, Caleb. We're going to build something, Caleb. Come on, Caleb. I read, I read where there was more that entered in at the end of numbers. That entered in to the promised land. Then died. They were bigger They were greater. They were more powerful. And God worked with them. I have a conviction about a restoration of the gifts of the Spirit. The supernatural help of God. I have a conviction. I said I have a conviction about it. I'm searching. I'm searching. I was in a meeting just two weeks ago. I was one of those that were participating in the meeting. After Elder Gary Howard finished preaching, prophecy came forth in a troubled place that said, Thus saith the Lord, yet four days, and I will measure the sincerity of your tears and weigh the depth of your repentance. 
Then he said it again. Circle this day from the going down of the sun in this day. Yea, four days and I will judge the sin in this place. Oh, that's heavy duty. Stepping out on a limb there, aren't you, brother? I called the pastor on the fourth day. You already told me? I just got a phone call from the district attorney. They just filed, they just filed an arrest warrant. And they just signed extradition treaty with the state where that fellow's living. And today, the fourth day, we're going after him. I have a conviction. We need the help of God. We need a voice to be heard behind us when we're in the Spirit on the Lord's day. We need some advocate in the heavens settling some things for us before it's done on the earth. I have a conviction about the restoration of the gifts of the Spirit. I have a conviction about souls praying through. I have a conviction about revival. I'm almost done. I have a conviction. I have a conviction. You said some things today that bothered me a lot. And I had to do some real, some real introspection. And I've just got to tell you, I don't know where and I don't remember when, but I crossed that bridge. I crossed the bridge of lusting for money. I crossed that bridge. You say, Brother Garrett, that doesn't sound right for you to say it. I'm saying it. I am saying it. There's something about this truth that's greater than the paycheck. I had my hand on his head when he received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I baptized him in the waters of Jesus' name for the remission of his sins. I would lay my hands on him and sent him out to the city of Parker to build a church. And he's doing it in the name of Jesus Christ. I am going to protect the church that I pastor. And money is not going to motivate revival in Valley Pentecostal Church. I have a conviction, and I'm closing. Come to the music, please. I have a conviction about backsliders praying through. I have a conviction about it. In Isaiah 65 and 1, it's quoted in Romans 10 and 20. I was found of them that sought me not. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. Revelation 18 and 4, and I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partaker of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. Isaiah 60 and verse 4, Lift up thine eyes, see they come to thee, thy sons from afar, thy daughters nursed at thy side, and thou shalt see and flow together. I have a conviction about backsliders praying through. 
I have made it a mission. I have made it an absolute mission. I have a conviction about backsliders praying through. I have a conviction about backsliders coming back to God. I have a conviction. I'm going to make it easy for them. I'm going to do my part. I'm going to do my best. Backsliders are coming home. There's moms and dads been praying for your children for a long time. Get a conviction. 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 You want to have a one God apostolic revival in the church, you pastor? Get a conviction and go to the pulpit preacher and preach that conviction. And church, support the conviction of your pastor. Play day's over. Play time is finished. Easy street is over. Floating down the road with my shiny new shoes and my shiny new car. That's just about finished. Enough money in the bank to lend some, eat some, and give some away and save some. That's just about over. It's just about over. But there's one thing that will not end. It will not end. It will not end until I hear pearl click behind me. Until I stand, ooh, in the very presence of the Holy Ghost. When I stand in the presence of, of the Almighty God, I'll lay my convictions down. I'll say thank you, convictions. Thank you, Spirit of God. Thank Thank you, man of God, for putting convictions in my heart. I have preached much longer than I normally preach. I have preached an hour and 16 minutes and 59 seconds, an hour and 17 minutes and two seconds, an hour. I preach way too long and I really don't know how to end this service except to tell you that God is looking at this conference. God is looking at West Coast Conference. I have this from the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, I have heard from the Spirit of God. I'm not up here playing just for the sake of having something to preach. I feel this burning in my bosom. That God is calling, calling this church, His church, His bride, back to a walk of conviction. Pick up, make the sloppiness go away. Stop our willy-nilly living. Stop being what we've been. Tighten up, tighten up, step up, get spiritual, play up, get a conviction. Anybody want to get a new conviction in your life? Anybody want to renew the old convictions? Anybody want to say, this is where I started? Start coming down this aisle. Start lifting your voice. Start praying in the Holy Ghost. Tell God I've got to have it. If you're a backslider in this house, we love you. Please come with us. Please come to these altars. Please come and pray with us.